Welcome to the Eastern Hills Audio Podcast. We exist to help as many people as possible take their next step towards finding community and following Christ. Maybe you've got questions about Jesus. Maybe you're good with Jesus, just not his church. Maybe you're feeling disconnected and want to reconnect. We think you'll find our messages both helpful and hopeful. So enjoy. Well, thanks for joining us at Home Online. I'm joined here with some of our staff. So this is a little different. Uh, for many months during the COVID, uh, early stages of COVID, we, we recorded and I didn't have the privilege of having people in the room. So this is great. This is a, a step forward. But the reason why we're pre-recording is that some of the things we're gonna be doing on site this evening involve moving about in the room and the space. And there would be a disconnect for those of you at Home Online. So we decided to to make sure that we provide an opportunity for you to engage wherever you are, maybe even watching at home later during the week. And we want you to know that there's some tools that we're gonna reference uh, throughout this time. They're gonna be linked in the, ch- the chat via YouTube, but if you don't have them, that's fine. We'll throw them up on the screen so you can at least see what we're looking at. But we will be taking communion. So if you're at home online, just grab some bread or crackers, some juice, maybe even water, all of it's symbolic. Um, But anything uh, along those lines will work and we're gonna get to that later on uh, in this time. But my goal tonight is to help us engage for the next 30 minutes with the significance of the cross. And we're gonna look at three convictions that compel us in Christ. But before we get started, I'm gonna pray. And then I'm gonna invite Grace and Trevin to lead us in a time of worship through song. Let's pray now. Lord, Uh, Many years ago, you sent your son to the cross. And it's hard for us to comprehend all that was taking place, but you've given us your word and your truth to give us a small insight into why you did that and what that means for our life, Lord. So for the next few minutes, as you are here with us now, Would you use song? Would you use your word? Would you use truth? Would you use these interactive elements to draw us deeper and deeper in dependence on you and grow more and more in love with who you are and what you've done through your son, Christ Jesus? It's in his name that we pray, amen. In mm-hmm. 
After that. Now, this is part two of a series that we started on Palm Sunday. And so if you're just hopping in, uh, let me get you caught up quickly. So Palm Sunday, as we know, Jesus comes into town and he gets what could be described as the royal treatment with cloaks and branches, which is where we get the name Palm Sunday. But one of the things that we talked about on Sunday is that as he rode into town, he looked ahead of him and he began to weep. And what we unpacked was the reality that Jesus wanted something different for his people than they wanted for themselves. And at some point in our life, we've probably all experienced that to some degree where someone that we loved and we cared about was maybe in a situation and and because of our relationship with them, we ached, we hurt, you know, we grieved, we just wanted more for them in that moment. And that's exactly where Jesus was at. Now, what's also true about the first Palm Sunday is that they weren't worshiping their creator, they were worshiping a God that they had created. And here's what I mean by that. In their mind, Jesus had come to be this militant ruler to set them free from oppression. But Jesus had come to set them free from their allegiance to their religion, their allegiance to their tribe, and ultimately their allegiance allegiance to themselves. But something would change. From every Palm Sunday from that point forward, what was different was Jesus's death and resurrection. And so the apostle Paul in his letter to the church of Corinth explained that what took place on the cross, which is what we're talking about this evening and the impact and the significance of what we call Good Friday, that what took place on the cross changed humanity forever. And Paul said this, he said, if we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. And and just to help us understand how significant this was and what it meant for them personally, because of the cross, men and women would give up their life to follow after Jesus. And for some of them, this would mean that they would be beaten. For some of them, it would mean that they would be stoned. 
For some of them, they too would experience crucifixion, even to the point of being left for death, hanging upside down. Some of them were abandoned, lost family members, friends, imprisoned, left for death. So why would anybody endure that? Why would anybody willingly say yes to that? Conviction. What they believed to be true. They were compelled by their conviction. You see, the word compelled means that we overcome resistance through an irresistible force, that there's something within us that says, I can't help but to lean in and to push through and to see where I am being led. And so what convinced these men and women to give up their life to follow Jesus? Well, Paul explains that. He says, for what I received, I pass on to you as first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. That's quite the party. Most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James, a family member, his half-brother, then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born, meaning that for Paul, his conversion experience was quite unique. The guy that was persecuting Christians now became one himself because Jesus appeared to him. He was convinced that Jesus was God and then he was compelled to give his life to following after him. So the fact that Jesus defeated death and the fact that we would say in just a few days from now, he has risen, that this is not a fairy tale. This is fact. That this is true because of the 500 plus people that saw Christ risen. And even if you would say, well, we would expect a pastor to say that, or we would expect Christians to say that, the facts are that historians, people that weren't even Christ followers, not even Christians themselves, documented the resurrection of Christ. And this is significant because from this point forward, every time humanity would look at the cross, the cross would mean something different. The cross for those that followed after Jesus would be a reminder that death is not the end. But here's what's interesting about the cross is that it symbolizes a tragic death. I've heard it said, some people have said, you know, it's kind of weird the whole Christian and cross thing because if you think about it, maybe the cross is kind of like an electric chair. It's a reminder of someone that went through an incredibly painful, tragic death. And yet, as Christians, as people that follow after Jesus, we will wear a cross around our neck. Or some people brand themselves through a tattoo. Anybody with a a tattoo with a cross? No, no. Dennis is ready to roll up his sleeve. (laughs) But I have friends that do. And if you were on the outside looking in, and if you've ever seen the movie, The Passion of the Christ, you might be confused by that. Because for some people, the cross is a reminder of the grotesque horror of what took place on Good Friday. And so it might be strange to wear a cross around one's neck because on one level, the cross is ugly. But on another level, in a much deeper way, in a much grander way, the cross is also beautiful. Because of the cross, Jesus' followers were convinced what took place would forever change them and shape them in this way that because of the cross, we have an advocate who shut the mouth of our accuser, 
I'm going to say that one more time. Because of the cross, we have an advocate who shut the mouth of our accuser. And here's what I mean by that. We're going to play a little game that maybe some of you have played before. It's would you rather? Okay, it's pretty simple. It's, it's a question and there's two options. The question is this. Would you rather spend a week in jail? Some of you are like, well, I've done that before. <clears throat> Would you rather spend a week in jail or living in a world where everybody knew everything about you? A week in jail or a week where everything that is true about you is fully exposed. By a show of hands, who wants the week in jail? Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I personally, I would take the week in jail. But it's, it's interesting. We can laugh about this and say, this is just a silly exercise the pastor is having us do, but let's take it seriously for a second. Imagine for an entire week, every thought that you had becomes public. For an entire week, every true motive of your heart is posted in full display for all to see. Imagine with me for a second, if someone who was eager to find fault with you, someone was eager to expose you, shame you, turn other people against you, if someone was so committed to helping you be found out, what is it that they could say about you? What is it that you would say is like the skeleton in your closet or the things that you don't tell other people about in small group, even the closest of people that know you most that you're just, I'm just not sure I feel comfortable going there. What could they say about you? And imagine that this person who has this information follows you everywhere you go. They know everywhere you've been, everything you've done, every word that you've said, and every opportunity they have, they're there to rattle off every regrettable thing that you've ever done. Imagine trying to date with that person in your life, trying to woo someone romantically, but that person is there is to Remind them and you of all of your faults and all of your failures. Imagine on a job interview, you're there trying to woo the employer and that person is there as your accuser, helping them see all of the reasons why they shouldn't bring you on the team. Or maybe you're trying to get a loan from a bank and you're trying to prove yourself as trustworthy and that person there is to accuse you and, and bring to light all the things that would show that you're not a trustworthy person. Imagine trying to build friends and community with this person that knows everything about you and they're so freely displaying it for all to see. Now, again, it would be easy to say that that's incredibly unrealistic, that's never gonna happen, but the truth is that it's not that far off from the truth at all, and here's why. The law of God exposes everything about us. And you can try to ignore it, but we can never escape it. The apostle Paul said it this way. For when I tried to keep the law, I realized I could never earn God's approval. See, under the law, our faults, our failures, our unintentional sins, our willful disobedience to God is continually looking at us, pointing the finger and saying, you are guilty. And so it's not that it's difficult to earn God's approval, it's not that you just say, I'm just gonna try really, really hard. I'm gonna make some changes in my life and someday I'll get it right. No, 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 it is impossible. Paul didn't stop there. He said, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. 
The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, when Paul would look at the cross, he wouldn't see an electric chair. He would see a reminder that he had an advocate who shut the mouth of his accuser. This next song demonstrates all that Christ does for us as our advocate. And it demonstrates kind of our awe and saying, I'm not sure I can comprehend this. How can it be? And so for the next moment, I would just invite you to contemplate on the lyrics of this song and what it means that Christ is your advocate. Let's do that now. of your doubt in the midst of thinking through all the things that came to mind when I went walked us through that exercise and thinking through what the accuser could say of you, I want you to just hold on to that for a moment. The Apostle Paul tells us that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you, do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant, the new promise, the new agreement. He said to do this and whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I wanna invite you to take the elements at home and for those here. And we're gonna start with 
the bread or wafer or cracker, and I want us to think through all of the things that we could be accused of that are no longer true of us because of what Christ did on the cross, that his body was crushed in our behalf. And we proclaim his death now, that we're no longer defined by what we've done, but by what Christ accomplished through his life, death, burial, and resurrection. Let's take it together now. Now we take this juice, and the word that John uses is this idea of atonement. And that in the Old Testament, we would take animals to the temple for sacrifice, to to wash away, you know, those wrongs that we've committed, those times where God, here's God's standard, and we fall short of that, we call it sin. But now the blood of Christ is the final sacrifice. It is finished. And so we remember now the blood of Christ, which makes us right with him, and free from shame, free from guilt. Let's do that now. As we finish this song, would you think about your advocate, the one who pleads our cause, the one who has righted or made right our wrongs, the one who has broke the chains of sin, the one who has overcome, the one who has given his life to give us ours. Let's do that now.
Because of the cross, we have an advocate who has shut the mouth of our accuser. That's the first conviction that compels us in Christ. The second is this, that because of the cross, I'm dead to what accused me and alive to who adopted me. Would you grab this? Those of you that are here, you can grab this now and we'll pop it up here on the screen so you can see what we're looking at. But it says, certificate of death. Now, I don't wanna be ignorant to the fact that some of us here and some of us at home online have lost a loved one and that this might hit you in a way that is hard to, to reconcile the reality of death of someone that was once here and now they're not. But regardless of what you believe to be true about Jesus, death is something that connects all of us. Death is something that we all face. And recently through a podcast, I'd heard of a book called 4,000 Weeks and it's a time management book. And the premise is that you have 4,000 weeks in your lifetime, 4,000 weeks. And time is short. And the truth is we are all very aware that some of us don't even get 4,000 weeks. But today, as we consider our life and we consider how fragile life is, let us consider how the cross changes the way that we think about death. Because of the cross, death is not the end. And through Christ, death is a beginning. Paul writes to the church in Rome to help us understand this new perspective. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. For the next few moments, I'd like you to go back and I want you to remember if you've had a moment in your life where you can look back and say, this was a, a defining moment where the gospel became real to me. I've done. I'm defined by what Christ has accomplished. That that accuser can no longer point the finger at me and say guilty. That I am dead to sin and I am no longer held accountable to the law. I don't have to live in fear of God's disapproval or punishment because of what Christ accomplished through the cross. And so I want you to fill this out. If you were able to get this at home online, maybe even just write this out on a piece of paper, but go back. Maybe it was a season, maybe it was a day, but fill this out. And I'm gonna ask the staff here as Trevin and Grace lead us in this next song that when we're ready, would we take this to the cross and remember what Paul's saying? There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let's do that now.
Savior of the world was falling. Beyond the cross, His blood poured out for us. The weight of every curse upon Him. Oh, oh, oh. One final breath.
want you to take now the good news certificate, <laughs> the certificate of adoption. You know, Paul tells us in his letter to the church of Ephesus that he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. This is for you to put somewhere in your home this week as this reminder. It's so significant that knowing all of the junk that was gonna happen in our life, all of the brokenness that we would enter into, knowing the mess that we would be, he loved us still. And he entered into the world of chaos and the brokenness of humanity. And he said, I choose you. Not because he had to, but because he wanted to. He said, it's my pleasure to do this for you. So I would ask you to fill this out this week. And here's why. Because the good news is this, that what is now true of Christ is also true of you. Because you've been adopted into his family. Keller says it this way, we are to live out our lives on the basis of who we are in Christ. Now that Christ's life is my life, Christ's past is my past. Because of the cross, what is true of Christ is true of you. Now on the certificate, you'll notice that there's a snake there and there's an X. And this might be the first thing that I've come across that I might say, you know what? That might be a tattoo. I, I could maybe, it's, it's, it's as close as I've gotten to thinking, maybe that's something that I wouldn't mind having on my body uh, for the rest of my life, <laughs> no matter what it looks like later in life. But it comes out of Genesis 3.15, and it says this, in the midst of the garden, in the midst when God had created humanity and he created the heavens and the earth and it was beautiful and it was perfect and they had tremendous freedom and God said here are the standards here are the boundaries and man said nope I'd rather trust myself the result instantly for humanity was shame and they went and hid but it wasn't just on them Satan was there and so God turned to our adversary and said this, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. This is the first reference that we have in the scripture to the gospel, the good news, the euangelion, the good promise that Jesus' birth, his redemption and his victory over Satan would set us free. With the cross, Jesus was crushed but he crushed the devil's head, defeating him forever. The crushing of the serpent's head was a picture of Jesus' triumph over sin and Satan. The striking of the Messiah's heel was a picture of the wounding and death of Jesus on the cross. However, Satan bruised Jesus' heel, but Jesus showed complete dominance over Satan by bruising his head. And so now, when we look at the cross, we're reminded that what is true of Christ is now true of us. Every founder of every other religion said, come, I will show you the way to salvation. Every other religious founder said, here's what you need to do. Jesus said, I am salvation. Jesus said, I am the way. So now, as Paul said, God made him who had no sin 
to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So when God looks at you and he looks at me, he no longer sees all of those things, our hurts, our habits, our hangs up. He sees us the same way that he sees his son, Christ Jesus, clothed in righteousness. So because of the cross, I have an advocate who shut the mouth of my accuser. I'm dead to what accused me and alive to who adopted me. And what is true of Christ is now true of me. This is what we're gonna celebrate in just a few hours on Easter Sunday, the resurrection. And this last song points to the celebration and why this is such a big deal in our lives, the foundation of our faith, the resurrected God. Let's sing together. I cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me I see his wounds his hands his feet my savior on that cursed tree his body bound Entrenched in tears, they laid him down in Joseph's tomb. The entrance sealed by every stone, Messiah still and all alone. Oh 
Well, we want to thank you for spending your Friday evening with us, but don't miss Easter Sunday, whether it's on-site or online, 9.30 and 11 o'clock. Invite someone to join with, join with you for coming on-site or even online. Say, hey, let's watch together. We'll see you then. Have a great weekend. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. If so, we invite you to subscribe to our podcast. For more information about Eastern Hills, please check out easternhills.org. We would love to pray for you. Email your request to office at easternhills.org. If you would like to donate to the ministry of Eastern Hills, click the donate button in the upper right-hand corner of our website. We look forward to connecting with you again next week. Take care. God bless.